Okay, so I have Brian by himself now, and I wanted to take a second to talk about his field of expertise, stock market, some individual stocks, investing, all that good stuff. Uh, Brian, thank you for coming on. Thanks for letting your kids <laughs> do a little segment. Um, happy to have you, man. Be here, Jesse. So first off, why should we listen to you? <laughs> Let's start with that. <laughs> Well, I don't think you should really listen to anybody if you don't think they're they're qualified. Um, but um, I've been uh, investing for almost 20 years now. I've made tons and tons of mistakes, um, and I've gotten a lot better uh, over time, as you do with any uh, field. And one of my passions in life is educating other people about uh, money, uh, personal finance, and uh, investing. And I do so pretty prolific prolifically for a company called The Motley Fool, which is one of the biggest um, investing-based um, services in the world. And they have uh, millions upon millions of uh, monthly uh, people that visit their site, listen to their podcast, let's watch their videos, etc. cetera. Um, so that's where I hang my hat a lot, as well as on uh, Twitter. And if you have read, read my stuff and think I'm worth listening to, then, then you should listen to me. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a, a pretty fair intro for yourself. I will say that Brian has been a tremendous help in my own personal finances, which I think we'll get to a little bit. Um, he helps me kind of run through budgeting, uh, expenses, income, and get a pretty holistic view of kind of where I was. You know, early 20s is a pretty tough time. I think a lot of our listeners are in this like college to adulthood transition. So, in you know, investing might be something that is a secondary idea. But ever since this whole GameStop situation... It feels like a lot of people my age, even younger, have become very enthusiastic about the prospects of making money on the stock market, and I couldn't have thought of a more perfect person to have on than someone who is young and is successful in the market, who has been doing it for a while. Um, not my age, a, a little bit older, but still not a boomer by any means, and I guess I'll I'm technically I am technically a millennial. There you go. A millennial investor is here to save us. Um, so first off, I guess just what's your overall take on this GameStop situation? It had another bump unexpectedly last week, but how much have you been following? What do you think's really going on? What's your interest level? Stuff like that. Well, so I've been a GameStop investor for uh, several several years. So I started, I think, investing in GameStop in 2016. Uh, or or so, mostly because the business was unfairly priced, so the the stock price did not reflect the business fundamentals in a positive way. So I thought I thought the stock was serially undervalued. Um, that proved to be pretty darn wrong for many 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 years, um, and it was just going down 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 down. And sadly, I kind of gave up hope in, in December. So right before all oh, this no. craziness uh, happened, uh, that's okay. Uh, so I missed out on a tremendous gain that is kind of a – I mean, I've been investing for 15 years, uh, twenty almost 20 years. I've never seen anything as crazy as what's happened with GameStop over the last uh, couple of months. And every – you know, most people and most real-world people have no interest in investing, have no interest in the market. So when people that have no interest in the market all of a sudden start talking about it, it you know it's something that extra, extraordinary <laughs> – that's happened, mm -hmm. um, and my mom sent me a message about GameStop. That that shows you how uh, my mom has no interest in anything to do with investing or the stock market or anything like that. And she was asking me about uh, GameStop, and I was like, "Wow, this story really blew up into like a way bigger, way bigger thing that I could ever have uh, imagined or or predicted." Uh, so I think that most people here are at least vaguely familiar with what happened. GameStop was um, a lot of big funds were betting against GameStop and then uh, Wall Street bets kind of took the other side uh, of that and, and a lot of people became uh, long meaning that they were buying the stock and they were actually uh, playing it with options which are fancy derivatives that kind of leverage meaning uh, add, add add more exposure than you would, could uh, could get through just um, putting cash behind the, um, the stock I mean that's dramatically simplifying it mm -hmm. uh, but then the stock price absolutely went crazy I mean it went from like three dollars per share up to 
the peak was geez 300 i think it was like 400, 480 dollars yeah. per share and that was in a matter of geez two weeks or something uh, along those lines and then it crashed as i mean you would expect it to because gamestop was neither worth three dollars nor five hundred dollars uh it was worth probably somewhere closer to uh i don't know 10 bucks 15 bucks something along those lines um so but what what has happened is the stock prices become completely detached from the actual business realities which can happen for which is not all that uncommon in the stock market what's uncommon is the degree to which they became detached uh, both on the downside and on the uh, and on the upside yeah it's definitely a lot of um crash is a good word for it i definitely got a crash course from this whole thing i was I got in on it and left way too late. I didn't lose much. I didn't gain as much as I could have. That's my personal story on it. But um, it was gambling. And I think that's something that I asked you over text. And you're like, yeah, it's just gambling for a lot of people. So that's what happens, I guess, when it becomes detached. It becomes a matter of, hey, is this going to have an insane swing up or insane swing down tomorrow? And that's not exactly what you do. So I'm assuming you stayed far away from it and watched the fireworks um, so, you know, the, I guess the story kind of becomes not really about GameStop, but about what is the story of retail investing and these new heads that are being interested in it. Um, do you think that Wall Street Bets is becoming a factor in the market? Is this something that hedge funds need to worry about when they're exposing themselves with shorts? Is it going to have a ripple effect or is this something that's going to disappear in the next six months and it's back to business as usual uh, my honest answer there is i have no clue hmm. I, I have no clue if what i mean what happened in 2020 was really unique in that a whole bunch of people were forced to be at home and we saw in our numbers that there was tremendous tremendous interest in investing just in in, in general people that had not considered or thought about investing at all all of a sudden had a lot of time on their hands and they thought well i'm gonna get interested in investing uh, does that stick around for the long term once the world reopens up and sports come back online and people start going out to uh, living their normal lives I mean I have no clue um, the I personally don't pay too much attention to that because those things are unpredictable and I have no interest in putting money behind or against things that are completely unpredictable the sad thing from the whole GameStop saga in my opinion is that the first time that people hear about investing is through what happened with GameStop. And they conclude that one, investing is gambling, uh, and two, that the market is rigged. And it's very easy to draw those conclusions when you see, again, a stock go from $3 to $400 or $500, and then back to $100. And what's the future of GameStop? I have no clue. But when that is your sole exposure to the stock market, it's easy to draw conclusions about it, especially when you saw things, what happened with Robinhood going uh, online and stopping people from preventing them from making trading on GameStop, but allowing hedge funds to do so. And you, you see things like that. And of course, people are going to get discouraged, especially if you put any money in behind GameStop and, and lost money, which psst, it was easy to do. If you bought after the hype was there and then you held on after the hype died down, you lost money. So it's really easy to... If that is your first exposure to the stock market, it's just super unfortunate because the how could how could you not take away from that investing is rigged, investing doesn't work, investing doesn't make sense, um, and that's just really unfortunate because the truth is the stock market is the greatest wealth creation machine of all time, and millions upon millions of people have used the stock market to slowly, steadily turn themselves into millionaires or more. Um, and that should be the, the takeaway there. But uh, it's hard to get that lesson across when, again, you're hyper-focused on one stock that had a kind of crazy month. Yeah. I'm glad that this was not exactly my first exposure. It got me back into it. I was playing around very, like, low funds, messing around uh, a few years ago. And then we had a conversation about, like, real investing. Like, what's what's actually the best thing to do? with my money and you suggested a Roth IRA to be my number one like 
the the bonus money from cash and emergency fund if you're going to invest set it and forget it into a Roth IRA and i i did forget about it for a bit i knew the money was leaving my account but you don't check it often um and once the whole gamestop thing started and ended i went back to that account and looked and felt much better about myself that i was not um using this insane i guess once in a generation thing as my like okay this is what investing is and so now personally i'm someone that brings up iras as if i'm an expert on them <laughs> meanwhile i set one up once 10 months ago and you know when <laughs> when the market was among its lowest of all time and i'm like oh look at the gains i got because you know i got in at a good time or whatever but that um that's the sort of thing that you are more inclined to talk about more inclined to, to tell people okay if, if you're not going to be as involved as you are because you have what an 80 individual stock portfolio plus how many how many individual stocks do you, are you holding right now uh yeah rough somewhere around that. i think it's last time i counted i was about 65 or so yeah and you don't you don't suggest anyone entering the market hold on to 65 individual stocks no yeah so that's always been your mo is stick to what you know if you if you want to get into the market there's easy ways that are reliable that aren't going to make you a millionaire overnight, but will increase your wealth in the long term. Um, and for me, that's been an IRA with Vanguard ETF, and go. that's going to be my my contribution to this. Is if you have a few hundred dollars every month that you want to put away, put it into an IRA and start as young as possible because you will be happy you did it pretty early on. You are young. You have a mass. You have a massive um, advantage in that you can put your money into the market for long, long, long periods of time. Any any money that you can sock away today and invest will grow and grow and grow over you know a period of years and decades. And the more money you can sock away today, uh, the more it will grow uh, over time. If you don't need to access that money for a retirement period for 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 decades, the best place to put it is in the market. But I know that you're going to know that I'm going to say that there are more important things than investing, especially when you're young and starting out. Uh, you have all kinds of expenses that you need to take on when you go from college to the real world. You need to get a place to live. You need to get transportation. Uh, you might have student loan debts. Uh, you might have credit card debt. You need to really hunker down on those things first. If you have any sort of uh, debt holding you down and you have life things that you want to do in the next couple of uh, years, you shouldn't be investing at all. You should be saving money. You should be building an emergency fund. You should be paying off high interest uh, debt. You should be knocking down those things uh, uh, first before you start investing. Um, you should really be investing in your career more than anything else. Um, try and grow your, try and find ways to grow your personal uh, net, your, your, the amount of uh, income that you can make in any given year, the amount of network uh, contacts that you have, uh, etc. Th those are much better uses of your time than trying to figure out whether or not GameStop is a is going to go up or down next week. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing I was concerned about right out of school was a project like Meta Commentary. What we're doing right now. I didn't care about the stock market. I cared about setting up a stupid podcast. And no, I haven't made a cent from it. But it's skill. It's a something that can get me to a happy career. And you've also been a proponent of saying the money's not the goal, it's the freedom and the security that's the goal. So having a, a, a job that you love is much more important than having $2 million. Well, that might be a bad number to compare it to. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess the, the, the core of what I'm saying is important. You've always encouraged that to, when I'm investing, to look into kind of what is that the goal for that money going to be? Is it going to be to retire off of? Is it to buy a house? That could be, you know, an asset or is it to just, you know, get a, a couple extra bucks and, you know, have more fun in my 40s or I don't know that that's something to keep in mind. Anything to, to say on that front? Money is uh, there's a bunch of analogies that are imperfect, but one imperfect one that I think is less imperfect than the other is money is like fuel for a car. Like you can't run your car without it. But the point of the point of uh, of living is not to 
have enough gas to, to, to drive your car. It's, it's where you're going, where's your destination? <laughs> Are you having a good time while you're in your car? Uh, so yeah, it's important to both take care of your money so that you can do what you want and live the life that you want, uh, more so than uh, just having having money in the first place. So yeah, to, for you, if you really enjoy podcasting, and I know you do, I know you love the, the gaming community and that's just who you are. So yeah, take care of your money so that you can spend your time doing the things that you love. Sorry about that, had to cut. Um, but the last thing we mentioned was why we invest and kind of the things that we're interested about, which kind of leads us into a topic we wanted to talk about, which is um, investing in video games. So this is something that I know you and Tyler have talked about, and it seems like Lindsay has a little bit of stock knowledge on Roblox, which we can get into. Um, but one of the things you like to tell kids when you give you know information on investing is invest in what you know about. And if you're interested in video games, there are tons of video game companies that you could invest in and find a lot of value in, in the long term. So what's your philosophy on what people should invest on? I know I kind of gave it away, but what do you have to add to that? Everybody here knows, I mean, if you're listening to a podcast about video games, you know way more about video games than the average human. And you would probably know extreme details uh, about video games. You, if you follow the video game industry, you know uh, what's popular, who makes them, what's wrong with them, uh, what games are you can you can probably forecast what games are going to be uh, popular and if, if you're if you're naturally interested in video games and you want to learn about investing combine those two things together there are dozens of video game companies out there uh, both uh, direct so companies that make uh, video games and there's also ancillary plays uh, companies that make uh, video game uh, systems and you can kind of use your your technology your your interest to build up a portfolio of gaming companies that that you love as a uh, as a as a consumer. I mean, the video games have been on a tremendous run over the last 20 years. I know that spending on video games is bigger than movies, music, uh, and several other industries like combined. And 10 years from now, do you think video games are going to be more popular today than they are today or less? I think they're going to be more popular. Uh, than they are today. I could easily see, uh, especially with uh, the rise of esports, I could see I could see esports being bigger than the NFL. Right. Like it already is second, I think, to the to the NFL in terms of viewership. Uh, that's that's it. But uh, I could easily see it overtaking that um, uh, in time. So if you're if you're a believer in the power of video games to connect people, to entertain people, and you think that that's going to become more popular as um, technology continues to advance, uh, there there's a lot of reasons to be really uh, interested in investing in the video game industry. Yeah, totally on board with that. I think just from the, uh, the small conversation we had beforehand, I'm already on board um, with at least this being my first front. I think I'm right now I'm just kind of tickling around with whatever catches my eye on forums and just trying to, trying to spread myself and not be, you know, just tickle around. But when it comes to doing actual research, it's a lot more interesting to read about a new product and get ahead of a rumored project if it's a game and we can kind of look at a trailer and see much more than a hedge fund manager or someone not interested that's also trying to you know, make plays. This game sucks. It's getting too much hype. I think this isn't going to work out or um, World of Warcraft subscribers are going down. I don't think Blizzard's a good play right now. Like, Things like that already cross our radar um, and are things we already talk about. And that's the kind of that, that's the kind of news and information that affects a stock, no, is is whether or not we think something's gonna pop. Like if we had an early rise on Fortnite, is Fortnite with a publicly traded company? Do you know? Sadly no. Epic Game uh, Epic Games uh, created and uh, owns Fortnite and they are still privately held. I really wish they were publicly traded that's a very that's a fascinating uh that's a fascinating company hmm. um so yeah, unfortunately fortnite is but the i mean fortnite is the hyper hyper growth of fortnite has obviously tailed off and there's been a lot of uh, sure. copycat products that are out there so uh but yeah if if epic games was a publicly traded company that i could buy shares of why would i be interested in that right yeah so that's that's the exact sort of thing that um 
it's just kind of putting the two pieces together is news we already know and then okay maybe this is something that hasn't caught on to the general investing public yet that we could have a leap on and if you know that's not going to happen if we're looking into like uh, uh semiconductors if we're not interested in semiconductors why would we know you know if it's a, if it's a good time to to invest in that um definitely something i hope everyone takes away from this is that there's a way to invest that we're still that are keeping to our interests that isn't just shot in the dark i hope this person's right on this youtube video um which i i feel people getting sucked in on because it's easy to to have something come up on our your suggested watch content on why x person thinks this is the right move and to have confidence in that and say oh this person's successful let me follow their their investing and i'm sure i'll make money that being Perhaps we should back up one one second just sure. to say that why, why why what i'm saying matters and, and what do i what do i mean by growth in the video game industry so it's very confusing but there's a direct correlation between how a company does like how much revenue it makes how much profits it makes um and for a video game company how do those companies make money well they make hit games if the game is successful they sell lots and lots of copies and they make lots and lots of money if the game's not successful they don't um, so that's a direct relationship over time between how a company does and how its stock price does. Now, those things are uncorrelated in the short term. So even less than a year, a company could come out with a hit game and it could the stock could go down. A company could come up with a stinker and the stock could go up, which is super confusing. But if you invest in the long term, if you, if you invest over long periods of time, uh, you could turn little bits of money into lots of money. Uh, just as a quick aside, I'm looking at the long-term chart for uh, Activision Activision Blizzard. Uh, if you invested in Activision Blizzard at the IPO, a aka the first time that you could buy shares in 1993, if you put $1,000 into Activision Blizzard um, and just held it until today, uh, that's currently worth $100,000. So you turned 1000 into a uh, $100,000. Uh, they are not the only video game company that has uh, prospered. If you could have somehow bought Electronic Arts, in 1989, granted that was a long time ago, uh, but a thousand dollars in Electronic Arts in 1989 is currently worth two hundred and eighty-five thousand um, dollars. So that just shows you what it, what how how wonder how great you can do with a little bit of money by investing in uh, in great companies. The other one that one of the other big ones is uh, Take Two uh, Interactive. Uh, they own they make uh, their big game is Grand Theft Auto. Um, they own a number of games, but that's their that's their biggest one. Yeah, thousand dollars in them in 1996. Um, it's currently worth forty-seven thousand hmm. dollars. So again, this is the this is the power of taking a little bit of money and investing in the long term in companies that you really really like. Now, all those stocks that sounds easy. Yeah, you just buy it and hold it for a long time, and it does really well. Um, there's ups and downs. Their stocks go kind of crazy, but if you were a believer in the video game industry, you could turn a little bit of money into into uh, into lots of money. So that's why that's what I mean by if you have an expertise in the video game industry and you're interested in investing, just buy a couple of shares of a stock that company that you love and just hold it and track it and see how it does over long periods of time. Uh, that's that's how you can use your expertise to um, to uh, to make the stock market work for you. It's great advice. And I think there was one stock that you mentioned that I'm happy to talk about uh, called Skills. And the unique thing about this is it's not necessarily a company that makes games. It's a, uh, you mentioned it's a platform for hosting tournaments, which I'm super into. This is a, a, a melee podcast, but it's about competition. So the idea of an esports adjacent um structural product is really interested to me. So do you want to maybe give your spiel of how this is not financial advice and then talk about a skill on camera? Yeah, <laughs> talk about skills. This is a recently, this is a company that recently came public uh, in, that's focused on the video game industry. Again, their, their company name is Skills, S-K-I-L-L-Z. Uh, their ticker symbol is S-K-L-Z. And what they do is they uh, make, they, they provide a platform that makes it easy for game developers to turn their mobile games into tournaments and what the, the management team of skills basically says is it's really hard to make money off of uh, mobile games because there's so much competition out there how do you even 
get interest in it. Uh, and you know, it's hard to compete if you try to charge a price for your game. A lot of games are given away for free, and then they try and monetize you through uh, in-game advertisements and convince you to uh, upgrade from there. So one of the things that Skills does is it allows game uh, uh, developers to take their games and turn them into uh, prize tournaments and have people compete against each other. And as you know, when you take a game and you turn it into a tournament or a competition, uh, it becomes a heck of a lot more fun uh, to play and you build a community around it. And so they charge uh, gamers uh, fees to enter these tournaments and then they compete against each other and the top gamer takes home uh, a prize, a prize, some of the prize money for winning and then skills takes a portion of uh, the take the, the revenue that's generated from the tournament, gives some of it to the game developer and keeps some of it for themselves. So they help game developers to monetize monetize games that otherwise would be really, really hard to monetize. So it's kind of disrupting the business model for video games and they're growing very rapidly uh, while, they, while they do this. And this is a uh, roughly a $10 billion company uh, today. And if you think their model is working and that kind of uh, interests you, uh, this might be a stock to look at, to get to know, to uh, check it out. And if you're a game developer, it totally makes sense to give this platform uh, a try. But again, this is not a company that I know tremendously well, but it's in your world. And the people that are listening to this might know, be far more knowledgeable about the benefits of using this than, uh, than, than I would. Yeah, I think you covered all the kind of value props really well. Um, obviously, there's a lot of detail that goes into, is this a successful model? Is there going to be another, I guess, copycat or a better type of this that actually wins out so you know it's not all about oh this skills is the only company that's allowed to do this like there's a lot more what they say the fundamentals of it are important to know so he's not saying buy the stock he's saying it could be interesting to to learn about um but from the perspective of someone who's entering tournaments yes it is way more fun and way more interesting when there's something on the line and even if it's not that much money this isn't about everyone entering tournaments for this mobile game to be a millionaire. But if you want to, let's say you're a content creator, you want to back up your results. You need to show that you've won a tournament. It's not just about having a high ladder or MMR in playing against scrubs and beating a bunch of bad people. It's about showing, okay, when it comes down to the best of the best, this is my value. So it's not just about the creator of the tournament trying to make a few extra bucks. It's, as you said, the community that forms around it, these like bedrock things that I would look to, if you could invest in just individual video games, if that's how it worked, where you don't put money in the, in Epic, you put money in Fortnite. Um, I'm looking for the game that has a, uh, this is from my melee perspective, like a grassroots community around it that has people that no matter what will show up and play, even if only eight people are at the tournament, they're there for the game itself. And that can't exist without the tournament. So that's they're probably there more for the community than they are for the actual game itself. Oh, a hundred percent, man. I, the, what, the worst things about quarantine was that there was a local tournament in New York city that I was going to for a few months. And it was just about like every Wednesday, that's what you did. And you show up and it's, a, it's with other people that go through the same ups and downs of competition through the same game. And only they know that specific feeling of missing an edge guard or SDing on your, on a ledge dash, less stock, stuff like that. It's so specific that, yeah, I, I could talk on and on about the value of uh, the melee community, but if there's a company out there that's helping people build that, even if it's. Through mobile games, who we look down upon as uh, <laughs> as GameCube players, <laughs> mobile games are are games. You know, they they have value. Um, They're also an on ramp for a lot of people to get into the video game industry. So if you're if you're if you're interested in if you're interested in growing the gaming community, even if you look down on mobile games, you should be cheering them on because they create gamers more than anything else. Absolutely, yeah. If I, I wouldn't invest in this company if it were. Uh, if it were holding GameCube tournaments, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. I think going through like a specific company like that, 
is such a good exercise because that's kind of what you do when you look at a stock, right? You, you look at it holistically. You are, How would you define Would you define yourself as a speculative value trader? No, I would, I would define myself as an investor. Okay. And that the investor means some of that uh, owns things. So why would you, why would you, to, to, to become an investor is to uh, recognize some attributes in a company that you like. And I have many, many attributes that I uh, look for in a, in a company. And then predicting by looking at trends, this company is going to continue to be successful uh, into the future. So I look for, my investing style is to look for awesome companies that have done great things in the past and say, hey, I think this company's going to continue to succeed uh, into the future. And that would be my uh, investing style. Traders, by comparison, say, hey, this, this stock is worth X today. Uh, I wonder if I can buy it and sell it to somebody at X plus 1% in an hour or a day. And that's 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 trading, uh, so that's not that's the exact opposite of uh, of investing. So I advocate for buying and holding great companies that you think will stay great for a long time. Awesome, yeah, good differentiation. I'm glad I brought up the trading word because it seems like you weren't too happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. All right, cool. So we have about ten minutes. I want to just run through um, my personal finance because. The, this is a podcast about, you know, it's, it's about people, but there's only so much we could talk about in a general sense that uh, also selfishly, now that I have you, I want to ask you a few questions that maybe you could help with. Um, and it's kind of about what I would think of is called a in, aggressive investing strategy. Um, and here's, here's the, <laughs> the background to this. So as you know, I'm living with our grandmother. As cousins, we share a grandmother. And with that comes no rent. So for the past year and a half, I've been paying rent. Now I have the same income with a huge a portion of that putting back into my pockets. And I don't have a lot to spend on. So I had a, a decent investing strategy with rent. Now I have an extra X amount of money that... Um, I'm looking to, you know, use a little more fruitfully. So what, first off, what time frame makes sense from your perspective to say, I want to turn this into this? What's like the minimum time frame that you think of? Two years, three years, What what what's on your mind? When investing? Yeah. Yeah, uh, minimum of three years, minimum. I would say five years better. And best is multi-decade. Okay. So if I'm looking to, let's say, 100% into the market and then 100% out at X date, I should look for about, let's cut in the middle, say four years, right? Like, let's say I want to turn that money into a down payment on a house, extract it for something that is, quote unquote, adult purchase. <laughs> um, that's the time frame that you suggest is around four years. Yeah, well, if you knew that I was going to be taking this money and be buying a house and you wanted to buy a house within five years, let's just say, I would say don't put it in the market. Okay, so let's keep it out of the market because you have a specific use for that money that would be a down payment on a house. And you have to think, all right, uh, what are the odds that I won't be able to use this money uh, for my specific intended use? Uh, and the odds of the odds of those if you put money into the market, uh, the odds that it would be worth more in five years are pretty good, but it's not 100%. There's been many, many periods in US history where you put money in and then five years later, you would be down. So that is not a risk worth taking if, uh, if you do intend to, uh, if your goal is to become a uh, homeowner. Okay. Good to know. So this is sort of the longer you go, the lower that percentage chance goes i assume so if your dollar cost averaging over the course of five years the next five years will will combined turn that into a much higher success rate yes okay my favorite my favorite stat on that is there's never been a 20-year period in u.s history uh where you didn't make a, that you didn't uh, earn a positive return 
uh, investing in the U.S. stock market. Okay. Hundred percent. A hundred percent of the time, you've earned money if you've if you've invested it for twenty years. Okay, that's again really good to know. So I guess there's the other way of saying that is that there's no safe way. There's no 100% guaranteed way to enter the market in a short-term mindset. Correct. There's no – yes. The, the shorter your time horizon, the, uh, the, the more random the outcomes. On any given day, the market goes up, I think it's 52% of the time and down 48% of the time. It's, it's pretty darn close to a coin flip, uh, if, if not that. And then the longer your holding period, uh, the, 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 the higher the likelihood – that the odds tip in your uh, favor. And at, at five years, I'm, I'm almost positive the odds are about 85 or 90%, uh, somewhere around there. Um, but over a 20-year period, I know that it's 100%. Uh, so yeah, when you put money into the market, you need to have a long, multi-year time horizon. You can't have a, a short one, because otherwise it's, it's, it's literally, over the short term, investing in the stock market is indistinguishable from gambling. Over the long term, uh, it's indistinguishable from uh, from a from doing uh, something smart. Gotcha. Okay, so that that puts in perspective because I know again with the the IRA that's not something I'm going to touch until I'm in my fifties. That's by just by definition of it, it, it. There's penalties if you don't. Yes, there's penalties <laughs> for taking it out early. Yeah. So that is that's an easy way to just sort of know it's going to quite easily past that 20 year benchmark it's you know whatever maybe when i'm 40 i'll stop contributing it doesn't matter the point is that that is one section of it so for someone like me who's coming into a, a you know another around thousand dollars a month that i i'm not crazy about spending that money i want to put it somewhere you think that the easiest short-term decision is to to keep it in savings if you have a specific use for it, if you're saying I'm saving this for a down payment, uh, yes, the the easiest thing, the best thing to do with that would be to put it into a uh, boring checking account where it's doing nothing because you have a specific need for it. Now, as you know, and unfortunately, uh, everyone your age knows, but house prices were expensive two years ago and they've gotten ridiculously expensive uh, now. So even if you're saving $1,000 a month, which is a lot of money, uh, that's a very that's an awesome uh, savings rate, especially uh, for your um, your age. Uh, over a five year period, that would amount to about you know sixty thousand dollars roughly. And in a lot of parts of the country, that's that's barely table stakes to uh, to have a down payment on a on a on a house, given where house prices uh, have gone. Uh, so I feel for you, man. It's it was expensive to buy a house when I bought a house for the first time ten years ago, and it's just gotten even crazier. Damn. Well, to be fair, and you know, maybe this will kind of pivot the conversation a little bit. I'm not, we're not planning on buying a house in the next five years. That was just like an example thing. So I guess to extract the generality from that, if you have a specific goal, the stock market's not the move. So this is, you know, this is something that I want to enter more. I think we decided, or I decided that I will spend a lot more time focusing on, at least to start, video game companies or companies of things that I'm interested in. Even if, you know, maybe companies that make audio equipment, companies that are helping people make content, like those sort of things are what I'm going to start looking at more. So let's, let's like make a derivative of an investing strategy and do like a research strategy. So someone who wants to learn more about the stock market in an efficient way, away from the hype, away from the, the following the charts and just saying, oh, it went up today, oh, it went down. Um, what is something that you would recommend people start off with how, how do you learn about the market how do i learn about the market in a way that is entertaining and sustainable and will actually help me become a better investor i'm a huge fan of podcasts podcasts are, are fun they're entertaining and they are uh, educational uh, so the motley fool the company i work for has five podcasts that are out there and if you just listen to those daily um, they're, they're free, they're, you know, 20 minutes or, or so, and they talk about companies that you've heard of, how they, how their earnings reports do. They teach you how to analyze a business. They teach you what matters, what doesn't matter. Uh, start there. Um, that can be just a great way to 
to get your feet wet and see if you're interested. And that's the mo most important thing there is, are you interested? If you're not interested in, in investing, uh, you, you don't have to be. You don't have to pick your own stocks. You can just invest uh, in uh, the market, the entire market, through something called index funds. And if you uh, invest in uh, index funds, which is essentially owning everything, you own every stock, uh, the good ones and the bad ones, uh, you'll do great. You'll do great over time, and it takes no research, no thinking, no no analysis, uh, no 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 worrying. Uh, so that that can be a great alternative. But if if what I'm saying interests you, and you're like, I want to learn how to analyze a company like um, Skills or EA or Activision Blizzard or Unity Software, etc., uh, just start listening to the Motley Fool's uh, free podcast. Um, that's that's a great way to kind of. If, if if you if you can't if you don't have the patience or time to listen to a couple podcasts, um, then don't <laughs> investing isn't for you, and that's fine. Cool. Yeah, I uh, I think that's a pretty accessible way to get into anything. It's just sort of hey, put on this passive uh, content <laughs> avenue. And see and, if it entertains you. Yeah. And if it doesn't entertain you, you great. You, not not it's for you. Important to know. Yes, it's it, it's important to know it's not for you, and you can just ignore uh, the market for your entire life. Awesome. Yeah. So a quick rapid fire. I don't want to keep you too long, although I'm, I could talk about this all day. Um, crypto. You don't follow crypto much, do you? I know enough about it to know that I don't know enough about it, but I, I do follow it. And now that companies like Tesla are starting to put that on their balance sheet, um, I'm assuming this is something you're kind of forced to, to learn a little bit more about. It's kind of uh, merging a little bit with the overall market. No, or am I, am I, misstepping here uh i mean uh tesla made big waves when they invested a, i think a billion or two billion dollars of their uh, of their capital uh into it and companies like square and microstrategy and a couple others have done uh similar things so it's getting a lot of uh, a lot more interest um than it has recently but where for tesla in particular a billion dollars sounds like a lot of money because it is a lot of money uh but compared to uh, tesla the entire company uh is worth about 600 uh, billion dollars um, so it's, it's, again, it's a big bet in absolute terms, but compared to the size of the company, it's irrelevant. Okay. So you think the hype around like, oh, the markets are getting into Bitcoin. It's more just Tesla did it. It made a splash in the in media and it's not necessarily indicative of like, again, the fundamentals of, of what's actually going on. Or do you think that this, this is the beginning of a trend? I know, again, you just said you don't know too much about it. So I'm not trying to push, but any, any ideas? I have, I have no problem with some people buying, uh, using some of their capital to buy Bitcoin. I have no problem with that. Yeah, I think I'm, I, I set, it, set up last month like $80 a month or something I'm, I'm putting into Bitcoin. Just like if I'm going to get into it, it's not going to be a one-time thing. It's going to be small over time. Dollar cost average is what the crypto community really pushes. Um, so you could believe in it long term and not over leverage too early. Um, so we'll see how that develops. Yeah, you know, over time, I'll, I'll keep you up to date with my right now, definitely down, <laughs> but whatever. Um, cool. Okay. And I guess uh, if, if you have a few more minutes, um, I do want to talk about the idea of buying the dip, which is something that really comes up a lot. Um, it's kind of the main thing people newly interested in the stock market, seeing this whole thing are highly focused on getting in at the right time. So I know you're not an advocate for trading. Um, personally, I think it's, I mean, everyone knows it's impossible to time the dip, but someone who might have that on their mind, like I, I see the stock, I want to buy it, but I don't want to buy it yet. It's not good enough. What's your like mindset on that? So if you look back at the long-term history of the stock market, it's easy to figure out when the highs and lows are. Really easy. Just look when the highs are, say, ah, sell there and then look when the lows are and say ah you buy there uh, so it's really tempting to say oh i can time the market because look how easy it is when you look at this uh, historic chart uh, the tricky thing about that is doing it in real time with incomplete information and incomplete emotions against the whims of other flawed uh humans is ridiculously difficult um it, it, i mean it, just recently the market high in uh, before the big crash of 2008 was July 20, 2007. 
the market basically traded sideways and then started to go down. And then it really started to go down in September, October, November of uh, 2008. That was when the peak of the, uh, the crisis was, um, was in. And it did bottom until March of 2009. And you had to know in March 2009, okay, this is the, this is the bottom. How would you know that? Mm-hmm. You, any newspaper you looked at, any headline you saw was bad. Unemployment skyrocketing, government deficits uh, skyrocketing, people getting kicked out of their uh, houses, uh, g- foreign countries uh, defaulting on their uh, debt, companies, long, you know, 100-year-old institutions uh, cratering, and yet that was the bottom. If you think that you could look at the news or look at the stock price movements and, and figure out, oh, yeah, right now is the bottom, um, uh, good luck to you. <laughs> I think that you are uh, – I, I know that I do not have the ability to, uh, to do that. Just look at in, even 2020. Um, the, the peak in 2020 was February 15th, something like that. And then within one month, the stock market was down 35%. It was the fastest bear market decline in uh, U.S. market uh, history. And if you looked at um, if you looked at the headlines, the news headlines since the market bottom, again March 15th or something like that was the was the market uh, bottom. The news just kept getting worse. Coronavirus was un- con- uh, unstoppable, uh, country after country. Um, sure, they were. Uh, the unemployment rate was skyrocketing. People were forced to stay home. Uh, everything looks terrible, and yet that was the time to to buy. So if you think that you can time <laughs> the market, um, I know that I can't do it, and I know that a whole bunch of the greatest investors of all time know that they can't do it. So yeah, it's it's really tempting to tell yourself that you can do it and if you're looking back at history it's really easy to say oh, this is when you can do it when you're living through it minute by minute day by day and you have to confront headline after headline after headline and manage your emotions for not for not seconds it's not a decision that you make you have to let, let's say you had the guts to buy uh february 28th okay because the stock market was down maybe 15 percent at that point and, and then you had to hold while the market went down another 20 percent and this was not again, and it wasn't, wasn't instantaneous. And then it was all up, up from there. It was hour after hour, day after day, right. <laughs> headline after headline uh, of you second guessing yourself. Did I screw up? I'm, I'm losing money on paper. It's down. Um, boy, is that hard to do? So, yes, don't don't market time. Don't don't try and pick the bottom. Don't try and buy on dips. Uh, if you like something and you think it has a long, bright future ahead, buy it. Uh, if you don't, don't. So if people have money, you know, their, their weekly checks and they have 10% of that or whatever it is they want to fool around with, should they just consistently drip into a portfolio and exactly. what sort of um, things should they just pick a stock for this current month? Okay. For the next month or so, I'm going to buy this stock, but slowly over time or save up and then buy in a chunk. What's your, what's your suggested method? Again, it's, t- it's tempting for people to go all in on one stock in, in the beginning because they know it or they like it or, or something uh, along those lines. But uh, investing is really about going slow, it's really about building up your knowledge and your education before you put uh, money behind uh, your picks. So I'm a big fan of just investing in what are called index funds, which are just like you own everything. You own the entire market um, when, you, when you do that because then you are not betting on one company. You're betting on thousands of companies. And if you look at back at history, the, the market goes up about 8%, 8 to 10% annually over long periods of time. Uh, in any given year, uh, anything can happen. The market can go up 40%, can go down 40%. You don't know what's going to happen in any given uh, year, two years, three-year period. But over really long periods of time, uh, you can be reasonably confident that if you buy just the entire market, that you'll make somewhere between 5 and 10% uh, annually. Uh, so that would be if you're going to if you're interested in the market, I would say go for that and just yeah, whenever you get a paycheck, put a certain amount uh, into the stock market, just through uh, index funds, and just do that for 30 years. And in 30 years, you'll be very happy you did that. Okay. Um, well, great. I mean, I think first steps for me start listening to a couple podcasts. Um, then from there, I'm going to research into a couple stocks and then pick and choose smartly. And we'll see if I could find some uh, some deep value. Um, I think this was really helpful for me, for everyone listening. Uh, is there anything you think we left out? Any important final words that you want to 
give off to people entering the yes. market? Falco is better than Fox. Oh my god. Are you for real? <laughs> Did you my really opinion. just <laughs> Oh my god. Is that, that wrong? It's controversial, man. I, oh, it's, it's controversial. Well, it oh, is okay. wrong. It's wrong. <laughs> but it I, I would... know I know I know Fox is the best character, correct? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I play with Falco. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, and man. I'm sure everybody listening to this could kick my butt uh, at melee, so but I could beat level nine computers sometimes, so you know, not to brag. Yeah, I I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> I would hold off on boasting too much. Uh, well, cool. Yeah, thanks for coming on and, and causing a uh, a bit of a uh, a crapshoot at the end there. Yeah. Really, I might have to cut that Happy part. Happy to mix things up. <laughs> uh, well, great. I mean, do you want to leave any plugs? Your Twitter, maybe, or, or things on sure. Motley Fool? Yeah. Uh, I tweet about uh, money and investing all the time. Uh, that's the best way to connect with me is on uh, on Twitter. I'm at uh, at uh, Brian Feraldi. You know, you're the second Brian F we've had on our podcast. For real? Someone, yeah, their tag is Brian F. Hmm. His, and he's okay. a he's a uh, I believe a Street Fighter player. My uh, Street my co-host interviewed in uh, Street Fighter. I th- Man, I should know. I think it's Street Fighter Five. Okay. But I think more Street Fighters. I, I was a big Street Fighter player back in the day. I think two is considered one of the one of the best games of all time. For... <laughs> yeah, uh, no doubt. Do you ever play Third Strike? Nope. That's big right now. That's one of the. It's a it's a game like Melee where like it's it's quite old, but it held up so well and it has this like groundswell of talent and whatever. I'm not going to get into fighting games, but I am going to follow you on Twitter, which I'm. I didn't even know you're on. Whoa, is this you? You have the cartoon. Profile picture? Looks like me. Does it? Yeah, not a lot of hair on him. <laughs> so that would be looks like me. Motley Fool Rider. Wow, you have almost a hundred thousand followers. Getting close. <laughs> I had no idea. Are you gonna are you, are you gonna uh, retweet us on the um, podcast? I don't know if the people that follow me are gonna be interested in a podcast about melee. We did talk about melee. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Maybe I will, Jesse. Okay. Well, it'd really help us out. Uh, <laughs> hey, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I learned something about my cousin that he's a, he's a lot more clouded on Twitter than I am. Very cool. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. This was a great time. Anytime, Jesse. And now as a bonus, we have Brian's kids coming on to their, I think, third podcast appearance of all time. Give it a listen. It's very cute. So because of all the craziness in the stock market lately, I have been wanting to talk to my cousin, Brian, because he, for lack of a better term, is a stock market expert. He is a writer for The Motley Fool, a highly regarded market watching website and blog. He has a family who is also an expert in their own right. Um, and I'm having them on for a short segment to talk about their favorite video games, and then later we'll be talking about stocks. So first, Brian, how are you? Jesse, I am doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And first and foremost, starting the kid round, we have Tyler. Tyler, how are you doing? I'm doing great. So Tyler, how old are you? I'm 10. 10 years old, and I've heard that you, well, I haven't heard, we've played Super Smash Brothers. Yes. What's your favorite Super Smash Bros. game? Um, well, I like Melee and Brawl because I think it's cool in Melee that you have, you, you can like, well, it's like, we played that more, we played that more, and so we've gotten used to it, and then we know all the characters' moves, and in Brawl, you, you can do like the final smash, and it's a cool animation. Good answer. Honestly, those are two of my favorites too. So, as you may know, Tyler, this is a podcast where we talk about Melee every week. So, do you know anything about the competitive Melee scene? Um, a little bit. I know they do, like, Super Smash Bros. tournaments sometimes. Yeah, that, watch- that's because uh, you're related to me, I'm sure I told you some, <laughs> some stuff. <laughs> um, so, I have a few questions for you, if you're ready. Okay. Okay. First off... In Melee, who is your favorite character? My favorite character? I like Captain Falcon. Oh, nice. Why? Why do you like him? 
because he's pretty fast and he can he can do a lot of damage and and it, and it takes a long time for him to until he gets knocked out of the screen. Okay, yeah, he's uh he's really good at like hitting people hard from like he could run and jump from like one side of the stage and just like hit you with his knee and send you flying. Yeah, he's one of my favorites too. So next question: Who is the most difficult level nine computer? The most difficult level nine computer we've played was was probably Falcon and Mario. It's just that they could ju- they could just move around so well and hit us a lot of times. It took us it took us like one or two tries to finally defeat them. Only, wait, only one or two? About because wow because we work together a lot. Yeah, so you guys, how do you guys like to play melee, Brian? You could chime in here too. How do we like to play it? Yeah, we usually do two-on-two, us versus the computer on level nine. Because as you know, when you're a casual player, level nine is pretty hard. It's not like the first one where level nine is a cakewalk. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's what I grew up playing. I'm a big fan of the, the original Super Smash Brothers, although Tyler has convinced me that Melee is actually a lot of fun. But uh, it's more of a fighting game. So there's a lot of fighting. I'm, I'm used to the first one where it's mostly throwing and spiking. Mm. Not so much of that in, the, uh, in Melee. Tyler, do you think it took you a little bit of time to get used to uh, Melee from the original? Because you started with the original, right? Yeah. Yeah, it took me a little time because I, because I, because Cat the Pelican Spike in the first one was pretty, pretty good. I tried to do that, but I just kept on failing and dying. So I started to move on, and then I discovered his knee, and that made it a lot easier. <laughs> cool. All right. So I have a final question. And this is not a test, all right? There's no real wrong answer. But I remember a phone call we had a few months ago. And you asked me what the best characters were. Now, I, I, you know, it's okay if you don't know the exact order and all that. But if you could just help me out with maybe five of those top ten that I told you. Some of the best characters in the game. Who do you think the best characters in the game are? Jigglypuff, Peach... Falco and Fox and um Martha yeah Martha and Pikachu are pretty good. Ah, oh, that was great, man. You picked a really good top 5. I'm I'm, I'm so proud to be related to such smash experts. Uh <laughs> and Tyler, actually I do have one question cuz I'm going to be talking to your dad about stocks. Before I talk to your sisters about their expertise, I want to ask you what is uh, one stock that you like, and why do you like it? Well, I like a lot of stocks, but it, my favorite one. I like I like EA Sports because they they come out with like different variety of video games like Madden, uh, Pretty Sure Battlefields, FIFA, and those games are pretty fun to play. Yeah, they're really popular. I think it's a great choice. They have a good business model. Cool. Me, personally, I really like Disney lately. Because yeah. I've been watching The Mandalorian and WandaVision on Disney+. And a lot of people like Disney+. Plus, So, that's that's my take. <laughs> Your hot take. Hot take. Disney's a good company. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Tyler, thank you so much. Any parting words? Um, no, not really. Okay. <laughs> Very cool. Thanks a lot. And we're going to continue on. Lindsay, you, I see you back there. Are you ready? Yeah. Hello, Lindsay. How are you? Good. Uh, how old are you? Uh, I'm eight. Eight years old. And I hear, this is coming from the grapevine, there's a rumor that you're a Roblox, Roblox expert. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I'm more of a Minecraft guy myself. So you're you're gonna have to give me a little bit of information about Roblox. What is this game? Uh, it's a game that has like mini games in it. Not it's not like just Minecraft at all, where you create your own worlds. But uh, in Roblox, you actually can. Okay, and so some of these mini games, what are they like? Hide and seek and tag? Like what? What kind? Yeah. Of... Okay. Uh... There's some stories where you have to complete a course 
and work together with your teammates on um in the game. Oh wow. This this sounds like um what what people try to do with Minecraft, but it looks like there's more tools in this game to do that stuff. Yeah, but you don't it's not like survival at all. Okay. There's no creepers, there's nothing. It's there's uh one of my favorite ones is probably Frosty Mountain. Frosty Mountain. I've, I only completed it once. I know how both of the endings go because, uh, well, the first time I played it, I kept, uh, I died, so I didn't know what to do. <laughs> and then I ended up actually completing it. That's awesome. Okay, so some of these are, I'm, I'm assuming some of the levels are very easy. And some no are, or some of There's the no courses. Level. You go through different things together. So, like one of them okay. is climbing up um, to the first campsite area and the tourist gets knocked over by a boulder. <laughs> and then you have to go into a cave and the cave gets blocked out by the snow from the blizzard. Oh, wow. Then you have to go through the cave and, um, and there's ice. The water is all freezing, so if you jump in it, you'll start taking damage. And um, there is also another way that you can do it. At the end, if you like, if you still if you're still alive uh, after jumping on the rocks or falling in the water, um, there will be a. Uh, you have to wait for this ice blast. If you touch it, you'll turn into ice and uh, keep taking damage till you die, and then you'll respawn and have to do it all again and start all over. Oh, shoot. All right. That sounds pretty difficult. So you is this Snowy Mountain that you're talking about? Yes. And you've completed this? Yes. Wow. Once. Good for you. Do you get medals or, or does it tell you, like, achievements? Yeah, you get a medal for completing the story. That was a shot in the dark. I, didn't, I did not know they gave medals. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so... This game sounds like it's so many different things wrapped into one just like sandbox game. Um, have you ever made a level? Is there something that is there a story that you might no, want to make? I don't really know how to do that. All right, maybe one day. That'd, That'd be a pretty cool project sometime. Too bad school wasn't like your 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 assignment today is make a level. You know, well, you can't really add on to other games, but you can create your own. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds like something that you are creative enough to do, but no pressure. You know, there's mm -hmm. so much time in the future. Um, is there anything that is you need to say Roblox has this? Like, what's something really important that someone who's never heard about Roblox needs to know right now? Uh, that, that... In 2020, there was only 115,000 um, players, and now there's 150 today. Um, today. Oh, wow. oh, wow. So someone's been looking at an IPO and telling their kids about it, huh? Yeah. That might have been an order of magnitude or two off, but yes, the direction was correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk about it. Lindsay, I think this you just gave everyone a very hot tip. Thank you so much for talking about your favorite game. And it looks like you have a, a friend with you. What's that friend's name? His name is Huggies, and he's an elf. And I got him at Target for $24. <laughs> most most stuffed toys don't have an origin story with a price tag. I... <laughs> That's so amazing. Lindsay, you were great. This was so much fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great. And finally, last but certainly not least, we have the youngest, Madeline. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Madeline, how old are you? Six. Six years old. And I heard that you're an expert or something, but you actually didn't tell me beforehand. You just grabbed some stuff. What do you want to talk about today? Stuffed animals. Awesome. So you brought two friends. I need you to tell me who they are real quick. This is Huggles, my brother's stuffed animal, and this is my stuffed animal, Buttercup. Hug I got her for Christmas. 
for Christmas. No price tag involved. Don't know the price of that one. <laughs> um, so I need you to tell me about their. Do they have personalities? Are they are they different types of? Do they are, is one more fun than the other? What's going on here? We have like a lot of stuffed animals, and most of them they have like lammies, elephants, and we don't have that many doggies. But um, we um, we have a lot of them, and they all have names. Some of them don't, and all of our stuffed animals that we have and we sleep with, they have a favorite food. Oh, okay. What are some of these favorite foods? Strawberries, pine, uh, cupcake. Some of my favorite foods too. So I have I have to ask if you had to and apples. Okay, thank. <laughs> apples is the healthiest I've heard in that bunch. Although strawberries is pretty good too. Um, Madeline, if you had to guess, how many stuffed animals do you own? I think we have like a hundred. A hundred stuffed. An- wow. And so, out of how out of all the hundreds, do you play with every single one? No, not we don't play. Uh, we only play with the ones that are upstairs, not the ones that are downstairs. Because the downstairs ones are like for snuggling and cuddling and stuff. Okay, so they have different roles in the community. <laughs> they have different jobs. Um, yes. so just can you hold up the toys you brought again? What? The 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 toys you brought. Can you show them to the to me? Buttercup. Oh wow. Okay, you brought three. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know you brought this many. <laughs> I thought you just said two. <laughs> okay, I have a f- I have one final question. What? If your if all of your stuffed animals had to throw a house party, who would be hosting? Who's the most responsible? He's 10. So is that the oldest? Yeah. Can you, uh, what's his name? Lovey. Lovey. Lovey hosting the party where all the other friends come. That's not, hey, that's something you could maybe do. You could steal that idea if you need a a Saturday afternoon plan. (laughs) Sounds good. Madeline, this was so much fun. Thank you for coming on. You're welcome. All right. Have a great day. We could maybe say goodbye later. Now it's time for me to steal away your dad and talk about some boring stuff. <laughs> Perfect seamless transition. 